as leaders, um, it is our responsibility to share with you any number of things that we think is very, very important for you to know, things that we believe are in your best interest. And this morning, it falls my responsibility to share with you that we have reason to believe that uh, there is a thief in the house this morning. One who has been here before, it's our understanding that he's been certainly targeting churches in and out of this area. Uh, but I want you to know that uh, parents, your children are entirely safe. They're entirely safe. We do know that no vehicles have been violated, that no offices have been invaded or tampered with, no purses have been pilfered. In fact, there is no interest in any of your material belongings because this morning I'm talking about an identity theft. Gotcha. We're not talking about that which is interested in your driver's license, or your passport, or your MasterCard, your Visa, your Social Security number, or your credit report. We're talking about spiritual identity theft. And I hope this morning as we explore this for just a few moments that we will take as seriously this issue as when we thought someone might be driving away in our BMW. <laughs> spiritual identity theft, what are we talking about this morning? I'm talking about a thief who is on a mission, on a very clear, very defined mission, and he's targeting believers. His mission is to rob believers of a number of things that he really does not have the authority to take from us. A thief who is on a mission to rob us of our confidence, of our joy, of our tenacity, of our hope, and even of our identity. Leaving us then with the very identity crisis of which Pastor Chris has been preaching these last several weeks. And I want to tell you this morning as we begin our consideration of these thoughts that it's time to catch a thief. Glory to God. Title of this message, and I pray that God will help us to do justice to this truth in these next few moments. The title of the message is very simply Identity Theft, subtitle, Get Your Stuff Back. Would you turn with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 10? And I want to share with you just one very, very familiar verse of Scripture. In the Gospel of John, Jesus taught us about the very deep relationship, the wonderful and intimate relationship that he has with all of us who claim to know him as our Lord and Savior. Among many metaphors that he used to describe the relationship between him and the church, he said that we are like a shepherd with his sheep. Jesus said... I am the good shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep will know my voice and they'll be known of me. Jesus likened us to one who cared for the sheep and his flock. And that's the relationship he talked about to us this morning. But he also in the same passage spoke of a lurking predatory presence whose desire was not as noble as that of the shepherd. He spoke of one that he identified as a thief. In the Gospel of John chapter 10 verse 10, the scripture says this. It says, the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life. And you might have it, NIV says, to the full. King James says, you might have it more abundantly. Let me say it again. Jesus said, I am come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Would you join me this morning in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, 
We gather this morning in your house, and we're so grateful, God, for your wonderful, wonderful word. We're grateful, Lord, that we can be in relationship with you, O God. We're grateful, God, that this morning you have instruction for us. We're grateful, God, that your intent is, Lord, to bring freedom and strength in the life of every one of us who claims to know you as our Lord and Savior. Father, may in these moments we lose all interest in simply sermonizing. Help us, O God, in these moments to communicate the heart of the Lord. God, I believe with all of my heart that whenever you gather us together, Lord, there's something from heaven, there's fresh manna from heaven that you have for us. So this morning, God, we pray that you would speak to us, God, stir our hearts. Lord, convince us of your truth, I pray. Embolden us, enliven us, strengthen us, O God, that we may stand, O God, strong in our faith in Christ Jesus. So God, now minister in these moments. As you do it, God will give you and you alone all the praise and all the credit, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. To stop a thief, to regain and to restore our own identity in Christ Jesus, and for us to retrieve our stolen stuff, there are at least three things that you and I must know. Now, I know stuff is not a real sophisticated word, but it works for us this morning. In order for us to regain or to retrieve our stolen stuff, those things that the enemy really doesn't have the authority and certainly does not have the right to capture from believers, there are a few things you and I need to know this day. Number one, that the source of our identity in Christ, the source and the starting point of our identity in Christ is not the day that you and I took membership in Evangel Church. That was a wonderful and notable day, but that wasn't the beginning of our identity in Christ. It was not the day several years ago when Evangel Church locked in with the Assemblies of God and all of a sudden that locked in our identity with Jesus Christ. It was not when you signed up for your favorite small group or home group or anything else along those lines. Our identity in Jesus Christ started. It had a starting point and its source in the blood of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Paul wrote these words to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given unto us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Let me read one portion of that for you again. The word says, in him we have redemption through his blood. It's an old song, and I was sharing with, with the uh, 9 o'clock hour that I didn't realize until a few years ago how many old songs I know, and that doesn't mean because I'm, I'm old. Just They just kind of stick in there after a while. And as I was praying about what I would share with you this morning, another one of those old songs came to mind. And it simply says, what can wash away my sin? What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Glory to God. We don't talk about the blood very much. I've heard some 
heretically say that the blood is kind of gory and we don't really need to talk about all that blood stuff. Let me tell you, the marker of the beginning of our relationship with God was through the veil of the blood of Jesus Christ and the source of our strength in Christ, the source of our identity in Jesus Christ does not come from the assemblies of God, does not come from our membership here. It comes because you and I have been cleansed and washed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. We must talk again about the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ was the purchase price for your and my eternal redemption, and it has become the source of our identity in Jesus Christ. May I submit to you this morning that the unfolding of the redemptive plan of God was progressive. As God made clear to us what this plan of redemption was, it wasn't all at once, it unfolded bit by bit, but all of it always involved blood. And there's a reason for that. The scripture makes it clear in the book of Hebrews that the covenant was sealed by blood. It was sealed by the blood of Jesus Christ. New life did not begin until blood was shared. It was locked in by blood. And when it comes to us understanding the nature and the strength of our relationship with Almighty God, we must take it back to the blood of the cross of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about this issue of blood. In Goshen, back in the land of Goshen in the Old Testament, there was a sacrifice that was made. The sacrifice, my friend, was powerful, but the sacrifice was limited. The scripture tells us that back in Egypt, they were in sin. Moses came along and he began to tell them about God and tell them that God said, let my people go. But Pharaoh did not want to hear it. So Moses goes back to the people and tells him, get a lamb that is spotless, no broken bones, no blemishes, no bruises at all. And he tells him how to prepare the lamb and how to slay that lamb. And he said, I want you to take the lamb, I want you to take the lamb's blood, put it upon the doorposts and lintels of the house. And he said this, God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Glory to God. There was something powerful in that moment, but may I tell you this, it was limited because the purpose of that moment was only a momentary release from their physical captivity. So we look back in the land of Goshen, and while it was powerful, the sacrifice of the blood at that time was limited. So we move forward a little bit with the nation of Israel. In the desert, we again find blood. The sacrifice was powerful, but the Word of God makes it clear that the sacrifice in the desert was temporary. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 18 says this. It says, even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22 says this. In fact, the law requires that, that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The tabernacle sacrifices were temporary because they needed to routinely be shared and followed by yet another sacrifice. So the blood that we see there in, in Goshen, it was temporary, it was limited, because it had to be repeated again. The blood that we see there in, in the wilderness, in the desert, was temporary, because it had to be repeated again. But by the time we get to Calvary, the scripture tells us that everything changed. Glory to God. Hebrews chapter 9 proclaims this that it was not with the blood of goats and of bulls and the ashes of a heifer. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed once and for all. Glory to God. Amen? It was with the blood of Jesus Christ shed once and for all. The blood of Jesus. 
It acts, my friends, like a divine detergent. This stands ready, it stands undiluted, and it stands available to anyone who invites Jesus Christ to become our Lord and our Savior. It stands ready. It's the blood, it's not the blood of bulls and of goats, but it was the precious blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus Christ. When we come to the cross of Christ, we recognize the cross is where the deal was sealed. Now let me go back again because I'm not sure I'm making it very clear to us this morning. The source and the starting point of our identity in Jesus Christ is the washing of the blood. The Bible talks about the washing of regeneration, and that comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. It was the blood of Christ that was the purchase price for our salvation. Your redemption through the blood of Christ is the source of our starting point in this relationship with God. Folks, this is where it all began. We have been cleansed, we have been sanctified, we have been washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to understand that this is the source, this is the starting point. Secondly, secondly, when we consider this matter, the sign or symbol of our identity is the name that we bear. I'm going to ask you if we can do something unusual. Nothing kooky, Pastor. I am so convinced in my heart, I've never done this here before, that there's a clear message God wants us to understand. But there's a distraction that I'm sensing in this moment. And it's not from you. There's something from the enemy. I'm just going to stop and take authority over it. Is that okay? Pray with me if you would. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, we stand before you. Father, it is imperative that we hear your word this morning. Father, there is freedom in the word of God this morning. And Lord, as we gather around your word, we know that the last thing the adversary wants us to do is to know the word of God. He does not want us to walk in freedom. He does not want us to understand the freedom we have in Jesus Christ. does not want us to understand our identity in Jesus Christ. So this morning we pause just for a moment to stand in authority over the works of the adversary. Give us ears to hear this morning what the Spirit of God would say. Give us hearts to embrace what you would say, O oh God. And may our lives be changed permanently Godward because of the word of the Lord this morning. Father, may we hear you, and then, God, may we be doers of this mighty word, I pray. So, God, now speak to us afresh, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, let's get back to business. Glory to God. When we talk about this idea of the starting point, we're talking about the blood of Jesus. The second thing I want to talk to you about this morning is the sign and symbol of our identity. We simply bear the name. We bear the name of the Son of God. The question may come then, what's in a name? What's in a name? And let me answer the question since you asked. It identifies your tribe or your people. It reveals our connection with God, and it reminds us of who we belong to. When we bear the name of Jesus Christ, there's something substantive in that. 
Tuesday morning, I was laying in bed, and God woke me up, and I was thinking then of something my father used to say to us. My father's name was Simon. And around the house, my brothers and I used to joke, not too much to his face, but we used to joke behind his back that Simon says. (laughs) And when Simon said something, it was not really negotiable. It was that became rule and law in the Bradley household. But Dad would often tell us all manner of things, and and we kind of tucked them away in our heart. One of the things Dad would tell us whenever we did something noteworthy, something that was praiseworthy, Dad would say to us, those are my boys. It's in the blood. And then he would say to us very simply, you're a Bradley, and that means something. So I grew up from being very, very small. Whenever I do something that was noteworthy, he'd say, it's in the blood. You're a Bradley, and that means something. Tuesday morning, I woke up, and that thought was going through my mind. Not just because Simon said so, and not because I'm a Bradley, but I belong to Jesus Christ. I belong to God. And God reminded you, my child, you've been washed in the blood, and that means something. You bear my name. We must understand this morning that there is a place that we have in God. We've been talking about identity crisis. Folks, your identity is set in Jesus Christ this morning. Glory to God. We need to understand That the sign and symbol of our walk with Jesus Christ, of our identity, is in the name that you and I happen to bear. Beloved, now we are the sons and daughters of God. Glory to God. And that means something. That is far more than anybody's cliche. There are all sorts of names that you and I can bear as believers and have born for many, many years. We go back in church history. And one of the first things they called followers of Jesus Christ was not followers of Jesus. They called them people of the way. Now, I'm not talking about the modern cult, the way. But people of the way, the way of the Nazarene, people of the way of Jesus Christ. Then they began to call in Syria and Antioch. They called them Christians. They called them believers. They called them disciples. They called them followers of Jesus Christ and all manner of other things. I would submit to you this morning, pick whatever name you want. But the thing that's important that you and I realize is that when you and I bear the name, that means something. Glory to God. When you and I tell somebody, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. There is substance to that. And folks, if you're not willing to bear the responsibility, don't wear out the name. Glory to God. I know that sounds harsh, and I don't mean it that way this morning. One of the things I admire so much about the military is just when they put the uniform on, it means something, Pastor. My wife was in the military for a brief time. Most of you don't know that. The shoes I was going to wear this morning, she looked at them and said, they... They need to be shined. Now, I normally do that. But she said, I'm going to put a military shine on them. Five coats. There's fire involved. She melts something or other and and gets up. And all this stuff. And there's this military shine on it. Because when she was in the Army, that's how they told her it needed to be done. In the Army, when they put on the uniform, it's not all crinkled and wrinkled and the hat's all squished down. They wear the uniform. And they wear it with pride because they bear the name of the United States of America. Folks, when you and I pick up our Bibles and tell somebody, I'm a born-again child of God, you put on a uniform, you will spit-shine those shoes because it means something. If you speak the name, bear it with dignity. You and I are called upon by God to wear the uniform and to carry the name. And that becomes, my friends, the symbol of our relationship with Jesus Christ. What's in a name? What's in a name? The name means several things. When you and I bear the name, it means I'm not alone. 
When you and I bear the name of Jesus Christ, it means I'm not abandoned. When you and I bear the name of Jesus Christ, it means I'm not ashamed. When you and I bear the name of Jesus Christ, it means we don't, I'm sorry, it means I'm not hopeless. It means I'm not helpless, but it also does mean I'm confidently connected and I'm secure because I bear the name of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. You and I don't have to wake up every morning wondering, am I still saved? I sneezed while the pastor was preaching. Did I slip out of heaven? I said one bad word three weeks ago, and I must be going to hell. Folks, the kingdom of God is a bit more secure than that. It's a bit stronger than that, folks. And this morning, you and I confidently bear the name of Jesus Christ. You bear the name that tells the world that you're a child of God, intimately related with Jesus Christ. And folks, when I tell you that, I'm telling you that makes you need to make it count. When you tell somebody you're a Christian, make it count. When you and I tell people we belong to Jesus Christ, make it count. How do we make it count? We act according to our profession. You and I do almost irreparable damage when we boast that I belong to Jesus Christ. And no one can identify anything in our life that looks remotely like the Lord. When we tell people, we should be able to tell people like Paul did. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me in the manner in which I follow Jesus Christ. I told you once before, a year, uh, uh, several months ago, that that's precisely what this means. They put it in our terms this morning. Follow me as I follow Christ. Sounds noble, almost sounds King James. But it sounds like this in 2015. I walk up to my sister and say, Would you like to know what Jesus is like? Would you? Yes, was her answer. My response should be, then, if you want to know what Jesus is like, hang out with me for a month. It got quiet. Isn't that what Paul said? Paul said, follow me in the manner in which I follow Jesus Christ. Paul understood that it meant something to bear the name of Jesus Christ. And it didn't mean he passed the book on to others, didn't pass it on just to the preachers, didn't say there was a man a long time ago, get the book and you can find out what he was like. Paul said if you want to know what Jesus is like, not in flawless perfection, but if you want to know what it's like to know Jesus Christ, follow me. But follow me in the manner in which I follow Christ. Folks, when you bear the name, you should be able to say to those around, follow me in the manner in which I follow Jesus Christ. Make it mean something. Glory to God. If you boast about anything, don't boast about yourself. Don't boast, first of all, about your church or your lineage or your heritage. Paul said, if I boast about anything, I'll make my boast in Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Our boast is in the name of him who purchased the price for our salvation. Tell you this, and then I'm going to close. We must understand the source and the starting point of our identity in Christ. That's the blood of Jesus. That's where it all started. You and I must understand the sign and symbol of our identity in Jesus Christ. That's in the fact that we bear the name. You and I must understand the strength and security of our identity in Jesus Christ. And that's in the declarations of his word. God's word makes a difference, folks. Glory to God. Our identity, the strength of our identity in Jesus Christ, the security of our identity in Jesus Christ this morning comes not from our emotions or our wishful thinking. It does not come from the shaping of our own theology, but it comes directly from the word of Almighty God. Folks, if we're going to catch the identity thief, 
There are a couple of things you and I need to do. We must learn, we must accept, and we must own the truth of God's declarations about you and about me. There's an old song that says, whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. Glory to God. Sometimes our own report can be deceptive. Well, I'm just weak, and I'll never amount to anything, and God really can't use me, and God's not going to give me the gifts, and so on. Stop it. (laughs) Whose report will you choose to believe? And I'm not telling you we don't feel those things in truth sometimes, but what I'm telling you is those things need to be passing, because when I listen to the report of Almighty God, God says, Beloved, now I am a child of God, and that means something. You and I must hear God's report. I'm not talking about some kind of random parroting of favorite verses that I repeat over and over again until emotionally I feel good. If I can just quote this verse over and over, sooner or later I work myself into faith. Not necessarily. You might just work yourself into a frenzy. So it's more than just a random repeating or the parroting of well-selected verses. What I am talking about is this. Understanding what the declaration of the word of God meant, when and to whom he said it. What did God mean when he said those words? What did he mean to the personal people to whom he said it? And it's only at that point can I understand what God means in it to me. Secondly, what does God's word mean to us today? What do the declarations of God's word mean to us today? The Bible says within itself. That the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and it discerns the joint between the joints and marrows of our very hearts. God's word is timeless. God's word is flawless. And God's word is for us. Glory to God. And you and I must come to terms to understand what does the declaration of God's word mean to me today. Good to know what it meant then. Paramount to know that. But God still speaks today. Glory to God. What is he saying to the church in 2015? What is he saying to the church on March 22nd? What will he say to us when we leave this place this afternoon? We need to understand also that the God who made these declarations does not change. Glory to God. I am the Lord. I change not. God. God, I've said it before and I'll say it a million times more. God is the only guaranteed, unalterable constant in our lives because he does not change. If his word was good enough for Moses, it's good enough for us. If his word was good enough for Queen Esther, it's good enough for us. If his word was strong enough to capture Gideon, it's strong enough for us. Folks, the security of my identity in Christ comes not from my imagination or my testimony. It comes from what thus saith the Lord. Glory to God. And he says, I am his child. The problem, the problem with spiritual identity theft is twofold. Number one, we often don't realize that we've been robbed until we try to draw on our account and discover that the report says it's empty. I've never had security theft. I've never experienced it. The closest thing I experienced, excuse me, I had a business credit card, not the church's. Just want to clear that up real quick. (laughs) I went to rent a car. I was making a trip. And the person told me about a purchase. The person at the car place told me about a purchase in California at Forever 21. There are two problems with that. I don't shop at Forever 21. (laughs) And I've never been to California. 
So I kind of got a thought somebody somehow got hold of my card number. That wasn't me. There was a problem with that on that day, but I've never experienced when somebody's stolen my identity. That's the closest I've come to it. When it comes to this issue of identity theft, one of the problems that I heard from people, I know people who've had it happen, they don't realize that they've been stolen from until they get a report. And a report tells them that their bank account is empty. People have gone and they've gone to the drawer from their account. All of a sudden it says there's a zero balance. And they know a few days ago they had thousands of dollars in there, but the report says there's a zero balance. Why do I tell you that this morning? The enemy will try to tell you. When you and I have bought the lie, he'll try to tell us there's nothing in your account. Why are you bothering praying? God's not going to hear you. Why are you bothering believing God's going to heal you? God's not going to hear that. Why do you believe God's going to use you mightily? Why do you believe he's going to call upon your life? God's not going to hear that. And we, we go to draw on that account, and the enemy tells us it's empty. But I just want to tell you, you're reading the wrong account. Glory to God. Because God's account does not tell his children that it's empty, it's barren, it's worthless, and there's nothing in it. It never does it. There's always supply in the account of God for the children of Almighty God. Secondly, if we don't catch a thief quickly, if we don't catch a thief quickly, too often we do a few things. We embrace the lie. I pray this morning that when the enemy comes to lie to us, that Holy Ghost radar will just pop. And we spot that thing right away. When we believe the lie, folks, when, when we don't catch the thief right away, we embrace the lie. When we don't catch the thief right away, we embrace the mistaken identity. You're weak. You'll never do anything for God. You're too uneducated. You're the wrong ethnicity. God's not really going to use you. You're from the wrong side of the country. God's not going to use a West Coast boy on the East Coast. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too this. You're too that. It's never going to happen. Folks, do not believe the lie of the enemy. When you and I stand in Christ and we speak and we catch the thief early, we don't accept the mistaken identity. There's an old chorus we used to sing. Let's see if I can remember the name. I am a conqueror, victorious. I'm reigning in Jesus. For I'm seated in heavenly places in him. For the kingdom of God is within me. I know no defeat, only victory. I said the kingdom of God is within me. I know no defeat, only strength and power. Glory to God. And I'm not talking about quoting some random, if I can get myself into a frenzy, I just, whoo, kingdom of God. No, folks, I'm talking about owning it. The Bible says, beloved, now we are the sons and daughters of Almighty God. You better believe that means something. I have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Ghost of Almighty God. And that means something today. When you catch a thief quickly, you snatch from him the mistaken identity he wants to place upon your life. Thirdly, if we don't catch a thief quickly, we end up living consequentially like we're spiritually bankrupt and broke. You're not. The accounts of heaven are ample and running over. Glory to God. The accounts of heaven on your behalf and mine are abundant and full. And folks, it means something to be a child of Almighty God. My dad's name was Simon. I'm going to ask Pastor Brian to come. My dad's name was Simon. And one of the things that 
My dad would always do. My dad grew up, and if he was alive, he wouldn't mind me telling. He grew up significantly poor. He quit school in the eighth grade so he could work in Georgia, southeast Georgia. He was one of 13 children. His older brother had died. He was the oldest remaining child at that time, and he went to work. My dad would get up in the morning while it was still dark and walk for miles in the dark, come back home when it was dark at night. And he would work hard. My dad came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior when he was around 11 years old. My dad, from a little boy, began to pray, God, if you bless me someday, I want to get out of this situation. God, if you bless me someday, I would love to have children. I'd love to have three boys. There are three of us. He said, God, if you bless me with a family, I'll do all that I can to make sure that they have what they need. And my, dad, my dad would work like crazy to provide for us, to provide the things that we needed. First of all, he provided the spiritual foundation for us. My dad would tell us, boys, and this is a direct quote, boys, if you don't get saved, you're going to bust hell wide open. My dad didn't have the gift of subtlety. My dad would also tell us about work and a good work ethic. But my dad would also always make sure that we had what we needed. Whenever we go out of the house, boys, are you okay? Do you have what you need? Is there gas in the car? Do you have money in your wallet? And those sorts of things. Because dad was looking out for us. He wanted to make sure that his kids weren't broke. When it comes to our relationship with God, folks, you and I are not spiritually broke. We're not spiritually broke, folks. There is that in the account of every believer that calls us to be strong as we draw on what God has for us this morning. We are children of Almighty God, and that means something this morning. Let me remind you of this last thing, and I'll do this just in moments. A few things that remain in our account. When the enemy tells us, you can't do this and you can't do that and God will never use you in this way and that way. There's a strength that God gives to us, a strength and a security in our identity in Jesus Christ. And let me just give you four things very quickly. Paul told the Philippians this. He said, be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In the book of Romans, the word of God declares this about us. It says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Corinthians, Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. Because he said he heard God say to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is perfected. It is manifest in your weakness. I heard the words from the, the Old Testament. God said this to the book of Isaiah, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Folks, these are the things that remain in our account as children of God. We're God's children, and God has called us to a place of strength. Folks, it's time this morning to catch a thief. It's time to catch the one who wants to steal from us the identity that we have in Christ. It's time this morning to end this identity crisis. Well, who am I? What do I have in you? And it's time, folks, to get our stuff back. It's time to get it back this morning from the enemy. Identity theft. Get your stuff back. When the enemy has tried to deceive us and tell us 
Who are you? You'll never accomplish this. You'll never accomplish that. You're never going to grow. You're never going to be as good as. You'll never be healed. You'll never be strengthened. You'll never be effective in the kingdom of God. Those are lies from a dark, low, craggy pit somewhere in hell. God's word said through Paul, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. This morning, God wants to bring some healing in our lives. Because some have believed a report that is not ours at all. The thief has come to steal our identity. But God has come to give it back to us. Understand the word of this morning that the source, the source, the starting point of our identity is the blood of Jesus Christ. The strength of our identity is the declaration of God's word. The signs and symbols of our identity is the name that you bear. Beloved, now we are the sons and daughters of Almighty God. This morning, God wants to restore. He wants to restore our lives. And this morning, I just want to pray. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. The scripture says the thief comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. Jesus said, but I have come that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. We've been talking about identity crisis for the last few weeks. We talk about it again this morning. He has come to steal, but God has come to give you your stuff back this morning. And if you're here this morning, I just want to pray with you. I'm going to ask the altar workers to come, and we just want to pray. Because I'm convinced this morning that the enemy has lied to many. One of the things that I love about God is that God never speaks in vain. If we take the time to hear him, God will share with us what is on his heart. And this morning, God wants to remind us that some of us have been robbed. The thief of identity has come to try to convince some of us that we'll never be healed, we'll never be used from God or by God, we'll never be strong. Our kids are never really going to walk with God. We're never going to be that person who can be a spokesperson for Almighty God and a litany of other things. But the Bible says of the devil, he is a liar and the father of all lies. There is victory, there is strength, there is healing, there is power for us this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. As Pastor Brian leads us in the chorus, I just want to invite you this morning, if you want to pray, we would love to pray with you. If in your heart you're just saying, God, I want my stuff back. The enemy has robbed, he has lied, he has convinced me of something that your word tells me is not true. God, I want it back this morning. I'm telling you that it's here. It's here for your receiving this morning to the glory and the honor of Almighty God. Pastor Brian, would you lead us? And as he does, I just want to invite you. If you want us to pray with you this morning, come and find a comfortable place at the altar. We're going to pray, and God's going to restore those things the enemy has tried to devour. Praise God.